0: Hey there, Rodbo here from the Ale Evangelist Show, and you're listening to the Podcast 99 Radio Network. We the people. We the people of the United States. It's a
1: in the summer of 1787, 55 men would gather in the city of Philadelphia. They were tasked with fixing the government of the United States. Over the next four months, they would debate, discuss, argue, and refine the first document of its kind in all of history, an attempt to show that men can rule themselves by law. This is the story of those men and those times. This is Constitution Thursday, a time we set aside to read, discuss, study, debate, and learn about the Constitution of the United States, what it meant when it was written, why it was written that Way, What it means now and how it affects our lives each and every day. Here's how you can participate. The text machine is area code 209-565-DAVE. That's 565-3283. The email address is dave at com, And on the web and social media, just search for Constitution Thursday.
0: It's okay for Obama's Department of Justice, or not his Department of Justice, his Department of Homeland Security. And Janet Napolitano there. Janet Politano writes a memo and says, <clears throat> we're not going to enforce the law. That's okay. That's okay. But it's not okay for President Trump or his Department of Homeland Security to enforce the law, says a court. Now, what kind of court are we talking about here? Is this a kangaroo court, a FISA court, or <laughs> Alice in Wonderland court? Courts are supposed to be referees in law. They're not even supposed to make the law, but of course they do, far too often. And they've, we've allowed them To create law so often and to propagate this fiction, the Supreme Court decisions are the law of the land. How many times have you heard that? No, they're not. The law of the land is made by the Congress under the Constitution.
1: Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble, and to petition the government for redresses, redress of grievances, the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Welcome aboard, my friends. It is Constitution Thursday, right here on Plausibly Live, a live episode this evening. I'm really getting into this, being back on the air and doing things live again, <laughs> really a lot of fun. There's a lot of reasons why I like it. Uh, Tonight's not really probably the time to go into them, but as a general rule of thumb, I'm really enjoying myself, and I hope you are as well. Well, it is an article of faith. Uh, By that I mean doctrine, philosophy, whatever you want to call it. It is a principle of, of the position of the political right if you're on the political right and you do not accept this particular article of faith, you won't be popular and you won't, you won't have a lot of, uh, you won't have a lot of people patting you on the back very quickly. And that article of faith is very simply that all justices are activist judges and they're all trying to overturn the constitution. And therefore we've got to get rid of these judges. That's, Basically, an article of faith on the right. The left has its article of faith as well, which is that judges aren't activist enough. They keep they keep being constrained by that law thing, and, and we don't like that. They shouldn't have to do. They should be able to get outside of that box and you know create. Um, which which tells you that since both sides have their articles of faith, and believe me, uh, the conservative right article of faith is much more. Um, Impactful, I think overall, since both sides have their article of faith, you, you can pretty much bet that the truth lies somewhere in between all of that. It is, as I said, as I'm on the political right, I tend to it's not that I don't discuss uh, the political left, but there really isn't much point in it because I don't have a whole lot to say about what they believe. I don't really have a whole lot to to get into. So I, I tend to look at things from the political right Perspective, and I assure you, on the political right perspective, that if you do not adhere to that particular, uh, whatever you want to call it, that particular ideology, that particular belief, that the the court is packed full of activist judges, and that they're overturning the Constitution at every level, you will quickly find yourself. Well, banned from the Tea Party, for one thing. I can tell you that right off the top of my head. Uh, you, you will find yourself in a lot of difficult situations as vis-a-vis trying to become a popular conservative radio chat show host. You got to give the audience what it wants. It's red meat. This is something that I discovered a long time ago, and it's something that I I truly believe. the The biggest thing I discovered along the way was that things aren't always what I want them to be, what I believed them to be. I talked about this very early on in Constitution Thursday. I was surprised by how much I didn't know about how things worked. There are rules to the game. Whether we know that or not is irrelevant. The rules are still there, and the rules still apply. And we have to play by the rules, even if we don't know them. And this is where I think a good deal of the trouble comes into all this and it's where it's really the root of this whole problem where both sides believe that the justices aren't working properly but on the conservative right side, the politically right side there's a tendency to hold this article of faith that these justices are activists, they're making stuff up out of entirely, they're just pulling it out of thin air I've said it myself but are they? That's really the question we got to look at tonight and we're going to look at a couple of cases where it might on appearance appear that way and it might upon initial consideration be reported that way certainly on the the conservative media side of things but when you break it down a little bit you might find something just a tad bit different we start in the city of roseville california roseville is a uh, A a typical California city. It's, you know, it's it's not San Francisco or Los Angeles or San Diego, but it is close enough that it's influenced by those places. And like most California cities, much of what happens in California is driven by the politics of the left and, and the big cities. In Roseville, they hired some police officers, and one of those police officers was a gal by the name of Perez. She was hired as a probationary police officer some time ago. And she began to serve as a police officer in the city of Roseville on a probationary stage, status. Now, I worked as an HR manager in California for about 15 years. And I'm telling you one thing that people don't grasp about California. It is, it is law in California. California is what's known as an at-will state. Meaning that you can be terminated from your job at any time for any reason they don't have to tell you nothing. Boom, you're gone. I also know, after 15 years as an HR manager, that if you do that, you're going to get sued. You're, <laughs> you're going to get sued. And unless you have one hell of a reason to do it, have done it, you're going to lose. So the whole concept of at will is kind of a... It's kind of a misnomer, but it's there. And every every employer, I don't care if they're public or private, we'll tell you that we're at will. We're at will. We're at will. We don't have to tell you why. And then when they get sued, they'll they'll come up with reasons why and uh after they fire someone and they get threatened with a lawsuit or or legal action of some sort, they'll start, you know, trying to cover their Cover their tracks or cover their butts a little bit with well, we better come up with a good reason why if we didn't have one before. Because we can't just go in there and say, well, we fired you because we wanted to. That that doesn't work. So this uh, this officer, Perez, is hired on a probationary status by the city of Roseville. Now probationary statuses are pretty common. My wife's on one. She she's on a probationary status for I think this is it two years or something like that? It's a crazy long time but i also know they already paid her her bonus so for for relocating so they're they're kind of assuming there aren't going to be any problems and after, you know, 14 years as a nurse why would there be at any rate this probationary status gives both sides a chance to kind of feel things out and if it doesn't work well it doesn't work if it works great if not you know no no harm no foul nobody's nobody's feelings are hurt and we go on our way so miss perez is on Sorry, Mrs. Perez, is on her probationary status. After a few months as a probationary status officer, it is a fact that another officer and her became attracted to one another. They became romantically attracted to one another. And they eventually, allegedly, became intimate with one another. In fact, it's not even really allegedly, based on the facts of the case. It's a fact. They became intimately involved with with one another. The problem, of course, is that they were both married, although both of them were, in fact, separated from their other spouses. Although, again, separation is one of those nebulous kind of states. I mean, you're still married, but you're not together. What does that mean? In some cases, it means, well, in in my own case, when I was legally separated, it meant I was 3,411 miles from my legal spouse at the time, and and we were just filling out paperwork to make sure that there was uh, nothing between us anymore. But that might not be the case, and it certainly didn't seem to be the case, in the male officer's relationship, his wife got wind of the relationship and complained to the police department, the Roosevelt Police Department. The Roosevelt Police Department now, you know, there's an old uh, there's an old mentality about in the civil service about crap. Now we got to do now we know, now we got to do something. We'd rather just not know. We'd rather just bury our heads in the sand and ignore Well, nobody's told us. We don't know. Unfortunately, from their viewpoint, they were told about it. And so they decided, well, now we have to do something. So they sent the inspector general out. The inspector general did an investigation, and lo and behold, what he discovered was, yes, in fact, Officer Perez and her fellow officer were, in fact, having an extramarital affair. And in doing so... They were communicating quite often because that's, uh, you know, we've all been there. We've all been in that relationship that's, you know, flames at, at the beginning and, you know, so forth. And, you know, there's texts flying back and forth and there's radio messages and there's all kinds of communications, phone calls and the likes of that. So the IG is a little hesitant about this whole thing because he's a little uncomfortable with it. And he's like, look, is it really my business that they're sleeping together? They are using Roseville Police Department equipment to communicate with one another, and that might be, might be, he said, problematic. It might be a violation. I don't, I'm not sure if it is or not. It might be a violation of our ethics code. Who knows for sure? This was taken. The IG report was taken. The two officers were called in. And they were given a reprimand. The reprimand basically said, you're violating company policy or police department policy. Uh, You're involved in a relationship. We're reprimanding you for that. Your conduct is unbecoming and it's inappropriate. And not only are we reprimanding you, but Mr. Officer, we're telling your wife that we're reprimanding you as well. So, So slaps on the hands. Don't do that. He is sent on his way. Ms. Perez, however, is told at this meeting that she is being terminated. Without reason, without any information, she's just being, you're fired. We don't, we don't want you here anymore. Goodbye. Turn in your badge and your gun. Nice knowing you. Best of luck in the future. Needless to say, she's a little taken back by this. And as often happens in a workplace, people start chatting. People start talking. People start saying things that other people hear. This is the amazing thing about America, is that very rarely in a situation like this do we not know what somebody means or intends because people can't keep their mouths shut about anything, whether you're talking about the president and his tweets all the way down to the Roseville police chief, who somehow or another and we don't have his exact words because they're not recorded in the decision, but somehow or another says something that gives everyone who hears him, including the judges, by the way, in the original case, the impression that he personally has a huge problem with Ms. Perez's extramarital behavior, that he finds it morally reprehensible, and that it was this behavior that led to him making the decision a few moments before the meeting to fire her. Now notice, he did not fire the male officer, who had nine years on the police force, but he had a moral problem with the woman's behavior, and he terminated her. And again, we don't have his exact words here, but... The, justice, the judges in the original case heard whatever the phrase was. Enough people heard it that they went, <laughs> wait a minute. You're firing her for sleeping with one of your officers? Kind of approach to things. Two weeks after this, they, uh, they send Ms. Perez a new disciplinary action. Now, she's been fired for two weeks, right? She has this disciplinary action that says your conduct was unbe- unbecoming. They change that. They dropped the conduct unbecoming, and they changed it to just misuse of official equipment. You guys were texting back and forth. You can read into that whatever you want. We don't have the information in front of us, but the way I'm reading that is they were, what do the kids call it, sexting one another on official equipment. So you can see where that's probably a misuse of official equipment. The, however, misuse of official equipment on that level is probably not a terminatable offense. And so she's got a problem with this now. And, of course, begins legal proceedings, which eventually work their way up to. She claims that she was fired for having a private personal relationship and that she fired her for that. Okay. This goes all the way through the court system. It goes through the local courts. It goes up to the state courts and eventually ends up in the Ninth Circuit Court this past year the decision was issued this week now again the motive of tonight's show is this article of faith that i want you to keep in mind which is that all justices are activist judges and they're all destroying the constitution they're all trying to tear down the fabric of our society and they're not elected and they're not they're not they're not accountable they're not anything and so they must be doing this on purpose right And if you were to read the headlines, particularly from right-side media, on this ruling, which came out on February 12th, which today is uh, February 15th, unless you're listening on podcast, well, it's still February 15th, even if you're listening on the podcast, but three days before we recorded this, the Ninth Circuit Court issued its ruling. Let's see. Let's just throw out some of the headlines here from relatively right-side media. Constitution protects adultery, Ninth Circuit Court says. Ninth Circuit Court. Adultery is constitutionally protective. Um, let's see. Metropolitan News Enterprise. Firing probationary officer for adultery is unconstitutional. PJ Miller uh, Media. Is adultery protected by the Constitution? Well, according to the Ninth Circuit Court, it is. And so on. And so on. This is kind of what I'm... I'm driving at here is that is that in fact what the what the Ninth Circuit Court did? Did the Ninth Circuit Court actually say adultery is protected by the United States Constitution, or was it perhaps a little bit something else? And how would you know if all you read is Breitbart and the conservative media sites? all you're going to get is the Ninth Circuit Court is okay with adultery. The Ninth Circuit Court is breaking up families by by supporting this heinous act and this sinful act, and they're okay with it, right? I mean, that's what you're getting from the headlines. And really, the, the left main media isn't much better about this. Their headlines were along the same lines, but softer. But here's the problem. With the whole thing. The problem with the whole thing is is that what really happened? Or did the court look at this and go, wait a minute? There is sufficient evidence in all of this to believe that the police chief acted out of his own opinion about the moral behavior of an employee moral behavior that didn't necessarily, in other words, the police department has not shown that this moral behavior, this immoral behavior, affected job performance at all. And, consequently, well, in their own words, let me read to you what they wrote. We have long held that the constitutional guarantees of privacy and free association, prohibit the state from taking adverse employment action on the basis of private sexual conduct unless it demonstrates that such conduct negatively affects on the job performance or violates a constitutionally permissible narrowly tailored guideline if you were to sit back now and go well <laughs> what what really happened here now that you have most of the facts of the case and i've condensed you know 55 pages down into what 21 minutes. Do you think that Officer Perez should have been fired specifically for having sex with another officer, a relationship, sex with another officer, or did the Ninth Circuit Court actually say to the city of Roosevelt, get your nose out of people's bedrooms. It's none of your business. And as a conservative, as a political right person with libertarian leanings, because we all on the right, kind of say that, isn't that what we want? Don't we want the courts to say to cities and governments, get the heck out of our bedrooms? It's none of your business. And it certainly isn't your place to judge who I'm sleeping with, unless you can prove that it's affecting my job performance. Now, again, it's possible that the city of Roseville could show that. But they didn't. And they haven't. And it's unlikely that they ever will. There's some other things in here. Oh, she didn't get along with the other officers. She didn't, she didn't get along with the other officers. Oddly enough, the, the other officers didn't work with her. So how the hell would they know? Every time this thing comes around, every time this thing comes back, it comes back to the chief's comments, which, again, we don't have the actual verbatim comments, that he disapproved of her moral behavior and wasn't going to have people that behave like that. You can imagine whatever words he might have used there. He wasn't going to have them on his force. And so he fired her, but didn't fire him. In a world where we, on the conservative right, the political right, decry the peace-loving religion of Islam's treatment of women, shouldn't we cheer that? Shouldn't we cheer a court saying... No, you got to No, A, it's none of your business. And B, you're not treating people equally. You're treating them discriminatorily, which makes it dun, 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 unconstitutional. Instead, we get headlines like Ninth Circuit Court approves adultery, which isn't true. The Ninth Circuit Court didn't approve adultery. What they approved was telling the city of Roseville to get out of people's bedrooms none of their business but because we have this article of faith that says they're all activist judges they're all trying to tear down the constitution we turn that into well they said adultery was okay and we all know what god said about adultery right we all know what that jesus guy said about adultery we know this and so instead of we, we should be taking her out and stoning her and maybe, these, maybe these, these Ninth Circuit court justices, too, should be taken out in some stone for, the, for approving this, even though that's not what they actually did. And we don't take the time to think about it. We didn't read their words. We read a newspaper headline on Breitbart or Daily Caller or PJ Media and went, Psh, there goes that Ninth Circuit court again. There goes that Ninth Circus court again, the most overturned court in the entire land. Must be, because I've heard it on talk radio, right? It's not. But instead, all the court actually did was protect the very values that we on the right say we believe in. They didn't say adultery was okay, or legal, or constitutionally protected. They said your right to privacy and your freedom to associate with whomever you choose to, as long as it doesn't impact the job... Is fine. You you can't be fired for that. And yet, somehow or another, talk radio, conservative side of things, has turned this into yet another example of the article of faith that activist judges are destroying this country. They must be. They must be, because the headline says so. Well, if that's the case... In other words, if in fact it's not true that the Supreme, the, the, I keep saying Supreme Court, the Ninth Circuit Court approved adultery, and in fact, they did things that we should actually be approving of, might other things that are happening be similar? He asked knowingly. There was another ruling in another court this week that will take us in that direction in just a moment. Going to Take a quick break. It's Plausibly Live, Constitution Thursday, the Dave Bowman Show podcast. You want to join us? Area code 209-565-DAVE, 565-3283. Email Dave at thedavebowmanshow.com. Stay with us back right after this.
2: In the U.S., about 90 people die in motor vehicle crashes each day, and thousands more are injured, resulting in hundreds of millions of dollars in direct medical costs each year. One in three crash deaths involves drunk driving, almost one in three involves speeding, and half of those who died were not buckled up. Even though we've made progress in the U.S., other high-income countries have lower motor vehicle crash death rates. We can and must do better. Here's what you can do. Use a seatbelt in every seat on every trip, no matter how short. Make sure children are always properly buckled in the back seat, in a car seat, booster seat, or seatbelt, whichever is appropriate for their age, height, and weight. Never drive while impaired by alcohol or drugs, and help others do the same. Obey speed limits, and drive without distractions. To learn more, visit cdc.gov slash vital signs.
0: Called The Gone Herd Round the World. You are a grand narrative just waiting be written. You are the ultimate conduit of life's rhythm. You deserve the very best vision and the very best version of yourself, and we're here to bring it out of you. I truly am fired up today to be driving your bandwagon, to be your biggest fan, to be avidly you, your secret weapon in the war against your sense of self. You don't have to tell anyone we hang out. Well, I love the idea of being your partner in crime, a tag team of two, and unleashing your legendary, to optimize your outlook, to back the very best parts of you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, to do whatever it takes to bring your own bold. All Natural Being with Brian Brody, here on IPMNation.com.
2: I need a tax preparer. How should I choose one?
0: Using a paid tax preparer this year? Before paying someone to do your taxes, make sure they're qualified. Ask about their fees, experience, and training. Check with a better business bureau. Avoid anyone who promises a higher refund. And review your tax return before you sign it. And make sure your preparer signs it, too. For more tips, visit irs.gov and search choosing a preparer. This is Jay from Jay's Politics Blog Podcast, and you're listening to the Podcast 99 Network.
1: This is plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show. Constitution Thursday. We do this on Thursdays where we talk about the Constitution. How it was written, why it was written that way, what it means, and how it affects us even today. And we're looking at a couple of cases today about how things affect us today. And we're, we're basing this in this article of faith idea, this article of faith of the right, which again, I'm on the political right, believe me. And this idea that all justices are activist judges and trying to I think I just made up a word there judges judges Does that count (laughs) sorry Um, that they're all trying to destroy the fabric of our country and they're all trying to destroy the Constitution we've already seen one case reported in conservative media that the Ninth Circuit Court is was did something evil turned out not quite to be as evil as they wanted as we wanted it to believe. That's and and then this is what I'm trying to encourage people to do: is begin to think about things and understand them a little bit better, and to dig a little bit deeper and quit assuming things. And the biggest thing you need to keep in mind is there are rules to the game, folks. And if you don't know the rules to the game, you can say it's unfair till you're blue in the face. But the others are just going to the other side's just going to look at you and go, "But it says right here, we can." Or says right here, you can't. And then what are you? what's your response then? Well, how did that happen? It's really, really where we're going to get. There are any number of folks who have commented this week about the DACA ruling. Now, for those of you who don't know, a judge in New York has ruled that the administration must continue the DACA program while the legal fight is going on. The, the fight is obviously going up through the courts and in Congress. But in the meantime, this court ruled, you can't just end this program. And this led to a great number of conservative chat show hosts or uh, libertarian chat shows just screeching at the top of their lungs about how un- unfair this is. And the, the, there goes those damn courts again. They're overriding the rules of the voters. They're, they're overturning things. We can't have this. We can't. We, we, this is not right. This is it. You don't believe me? You want to, uh, it's the, 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 the godfather himself, the Supreme Court, this is Rush Limbaugh on, I believe it was, what is today? Today's Thursday. I should know that. It's Constitution. I think this was Tuesday. Quote, the Supreme Court is stacked with a bunch of liberals. It doesn't matter what Congress does. Every case of any importance will eventually get to the Supreme Court and they'll rule the liberal way on it. It doesn't matter what the voters have said. That's his exact quote about this this very issue. You heard the uh, the other chat show host at the top of the show talking about, well, this isn't right. These judges, the supreme law of the land is made by the Congress, not, and he's right. It is, which is why I threw that bit in there because he's absolutely right. He just doesn't know why he's right. When you listen to the rest of his argument, look, I'm not I'm not here to discuss the morality, or the functionality of the DACA program. I do not believe in illegal immigration. I've, I've made this clear. I don't believe that we benefit by having illegal immigrants. That's my opinion. I believe you follow the process, and you follow the rules, and that's how you have a Republican society. Little rar, not not general grand old party republic. That's how you have a society that functions is by following the rules that are set up. We have rules that are set up, constitution, laws, U.S. code, and all of those have a moral element to them. It's not fair for illegal immigrants to cut in line ahead of people that have done things the right way. We all get all this. It's not fair that they don't pay taxes. Oh, but Dave, they, they do pay taxes. Really? Really, how are they paying these taxes if they don't have Social Security numbers? Well, well, you know, you can have that argument all day long. And believe me, you can spend a lot of time arguing whether or not there's a a positive or a negative to this. That's not what we're into tonight. What we're into tonight is this idea that the court has just overridden the will of the people. And torn down the Constitution to 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 throw throw crap in the face of Donald Trump and and conservatives everywhere. This article of faith that all justices are liberal activists—that Rush Limbaugh he said that—and therefore they're just overriding the will of the people. Congress makes the law, as this other gentleman had said. The Daca ruling is interesting in in a lot of ways. It also like most things, contains information. I was having a chat with Buster the other night about this This ruling is long. It's 55 pages long. And he was kind of slogging through it and he said something to the effect of, why does it have to be so long? Well, it has to be long because, again, these judges aren't stupid people. They, you may not like them, you may disagree with them, but they're not stupid. And they know that they're writing in a a ruling that is going to be discussed and dissected not by conservative media obviously uh, but they know that it's going to be looked at closely and so they want to make sure that they cover all of their bases they want to make sure that they cover everything so that they look like they know what they're doing they're not just going well (laughs) you know it's 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 not solomon oh you got a baby we'll just cut it in half that'll solve that problem right Solomon might have been the wisest man that ever lived, but keep in mind, he had 800 wives. That didn't work out so well for him, did it? At any rate, the, the ruling makes it clear that the, the problem here is twofold. Okay, This is not as simple as the Obama administration wrote a memo saying we're not going to enforce the law. We talked at great length about this when it happened and prosecutorial discretion. We talked about, you know, whether or not it was right or wrong. And again, not from a whether I think it's a good policy standpoint. We talked about it from a legal and constitutional standpoint. And believe me, I caught a lot of flack because it didn't fit the article of faith that everything that Obama did was bad. Okay, fine, I get it. Now we come to this point where President Trump wants to end an administrative program that has been established. And so the theory is, well, he can just he can just sign an executive order saying this program is ended. Ta-da. Boom. Done. Right. Right. I mean, that's if an executive order can start it, then an executive order can end it. Right. He said, knowing that that is, in fact, not correct. How do we know it's not correct? Well, first off, the judge talks about it. He talks about it in his ruling, where he talks about the fact that the plaintiffs in the above uh, caption cases have challenged the defendants. That's President Trump's decision on a number of grounds, including most relevant for the purposes of this order, that the decision violated. You ready? You sitting down? The Administrative Procedures Act. What? The what? The Administrative Procedures Act. This is a law. It is a law in United States code. And quite frankly, uh, quite frankly, Pat, the lawyer, and I had a great discussion about this last night because it contains some rather surprising elements to it. The Administrative Procedures Act says, it's opening sentence, you ready? A person suffering legal wrong because of agency action or adversely affected or aggrieved by agency action within the meaning of a relevant statute is entitled to judicial review thereof. Do I need to read that again? Or did you get what the whole thing was basically talking about? Anybody legally wronged by an agency or adversely affected or aggrieved by the agency, is entitled to judicial review. Now, we've talked a lot about judicial review. We've talked about the the positives and negatives of judicial review and the fact that, well, that's not in the Constitution. How can they do that? How How can the courts do judicial review? Except that they have been doing it basically since day one. And here is a law passed by the United States Congress which establishes that any person, any person, right? That's what it says. Any or a person suffering legal wrong or adversely affected or aggrieved by that agency's action is entitled to judicial review thereof. QED, the court already has standing. The court already has the jurisdiction to decide this because Congress told them to and who elected congress he said nudge nudge wink wink you know what i mean you know what i mean who elected congress that passed a law that said if an agency does this judicial review oh that's right we did we the people elected the congress and they passed this law now in fairness This law was actually passed in 1946. The Administrative Procedures Act came about in 1946, and it was a direct result of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's mm, zealousness in establishing more than 51 federal agencies as part of the New Deal and part of the Second World War. And a lot of people in Congress, not just Republicans, by the way, a lot of people in Congress got a little... mm, nervous about that they were they were concerned even roosevelt himself said that the practice of creating administrative agencies with the authority to perform both legislative and judicial work threatens to develop a fourth branch of government for which there is no sanction in the constitution roosevelt himself the guy who was starting all these agencies said that the the report that they eventually produced that would lead to what would be known as the Administrative Procedures Act, defined a federal agency as a governmental unit with the power to determine private rights and obligations by rulemaking or adjudication. So there you go. The report applied that definition to the largest units of the federal government, identified nine executive departments and 18 independent agencies at the time. That increased to 51 by the time The report was actually circulated, it had increased to 51, all of which, the final report noted, had undergone changes in name and political function in their lifetime existence. So you had all these agencies who were being created that were controlling Americans through legislative action and judicial action by determining private rights and obligations, rulemaking, adjudication. They were making rules and they were themselves adjudicating. There wasn't a third party, there was no article 3 judge looking at this going yeah that's constitutional or not constitutional and a lot of people in congress went this is a really 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 bad idea and over the course of 10 years they started in 1933 by the time well 13 years by the time they got to 1946 with all of these agencies now all of these organizations within the government were running thousands of Americans. They were running everybody's business. Senator Pat McCarran, at the time would end up calling the APA, the Administrative Procedures Act, a bill of rights for the hundreds of thousands of Americans, which should have been millions of Americans, whose affairs were controlled or regulated by federal government agencies. Now, since 1946, have the number of federal agencies subject to the APA Increased or decreased? Anyone? Anyone? That's right. They've increased significantly. But the law is still on the books. The law, the Administrative Procedures Act, 5 U.S. Code 706, is still there. And still makes it clear that anyone, a person, doesn't say a citizen, it implies a person under the jurisdiction of the United States via the 14th Amendment, suffering legal wrong or adversely affected or aggrieved by that agency's action is entitled to judicial review. Congress wrote a law that says they get judicial review because we got a problem. And yeah, okay. It was 70 years ago, but it's only gotten worse since then. Along comes president Obama. He begins a federal agency and While there's a lot of argument about whether the agency and the program he's begun, the administrative program he's begun, is correct or or whatever, it is. But you can see already that somebody benefiting from that is going to be aggrieved when another president comes along and says, we're stopping that program. Okay. The judge makes it clear in his ruling. Look. The president can stop this program. He can do so. However, under the conditions of this judicial review, to which all these people are entitled because Congress said they were in the law, Congress, the supreme law of the land, Mr. Uh, announcer at the beginning, has passed a law saying, here, judge, you review it and make the decision. Well, I didn't know that. I know you didn't. I know I know Paul Ryan probably didn't know that. He doesn't seem to know a whole lot about anything. The court says the president can do this. However, he has not given a reasonable and he defines in his ruling what would be a reasonable excuse or reason for ending this program and the excuse the reasons that he did give were found to be not sufficient. Now, again, whether you agree with that, or I agree with that, or Ted agrees with that, or Buster agrees with that, or Jay agrees with that, is irrelevant. The court has its standards and says, this is not up to those. Those standards were established by law by Congress. We, the people, elected Congress. QED, we, the people, said, (laughs) go ahead with it. Do it that way. And yet, we sit here now with leading, mantra-spewing leaders of the conservative right who, instead of teaching us what's really going on, instead of explaining to us why these congressional elections are so important, instead chooses to attack the people who are following the law. And I know if you're on the right, you're not going to like that. You're Dave, you're wrong. These justices are this, that, and the other. Again, I... I get that you feel that way, and I get that you don't like it, but that's not a constitutional or legal argument. I don't like it doesn't fly any more than I don't like her sleeping with another man on my force doesn't fly. you got to have a real reason for doing it, and President Trump, according to the court, has not given such a reason. Additionally, he's got the problem, like much like the police chief in Roseville, where he can't shut up. And he keeps tweeting. Well, in the 21st century, tweets have become de facto communication. They have become de facto evidence of intent. And so when the president tweets, he is essentially saying to the court, here is what I think. Here is what I believe. Duh. What's the court supposed to do? Going, hmm, that's a tweet. We should ignore it. This isn't AOL or MySpace anymore. It's it's how people communicate in the 21st century. Generally not 78-year-old men, but you, you get the idea. So, what happens? What is this whole thing about? What Where... The court said the program has to go on while it is being adjudicated elsewhere, while Congress is working on this, while the Supreme Court is hearing it. you got to continue the program because you have not given a reason for ending it. Now, again, as conservative right people who believe in the power of Congress, who believe in the authority of the people through our representatives, did this judge act in accordance with our will? or did he just make up something out of whole cloth? You can read his ruling for yourself. You can read the APA for yourself. You can read the history of the APA for yourself. Hell, I'll link it on the page. You can read it for yourself. You can look it up yourself. As one of my heroes he said jokingly uh, always says. You get the idea? You get the you get the understanding here that this article of faith that we have That other people are trying to destroy the Constitution and trying to destroy the country might in fact not be true. It might in fact be that we, the people, aren't doing our job and we keep electing bozos to Congress who don't have a clue what they're doing and keep giving power that they're supposed to have, according to the Constitution, to other people, the executive branch, and then they get you know, upset and headlines when it does exactly what they told them to do. The rules are complicated, and we don't know them. And if you don't know the rules, how do you play the game? One of my favorite rules in football. I told people the other day on my show, I was talking about football. I love football. I used to coach football. I I feel like I know football very, very well. It's, it's something that I've studied most of my life, and eh, not so much for the last 10 years. Probably the last 10 years, I would lose something, but... You know, but in the general idea of things, I feel like I know football pretty well. Do you know one of the most obscure rules in football, and it applies at every level? Professional, college, high school. It's called the fair catch rule. You know what this is? So one team kicks, puns, kicks up whatever. The other team has the option to fair catch the ball. Guy raises his hand, waves it back and forth, says, I'm fair catching the ball. Nobody can touch him. He catches the ball. If he catches it, he's down right there. Do you know what the team that caught the ball's options are after a fair catch? Not a lot of people do. Not a lot of people know this. In fact, in my lifetime, there have, well, not in my lifetime, but in the entire history of the NFL, imagine that, how many games, are there's 352 games a year, and there have been what, 90 seasons of the NFL? There are only 25 occurrences of this happening. The only one I ever saw was George, uh, not George, uh, Bill Walsh. Did this to Minnesota in the playoffs one year. And Minnesota had no idea. They didn't know the rule. They, did, they, they had no clue that a team that makes a fair catch is entitled to a free kick following the fair catch. Now, free kick means that they can drop kick or place kick the ball. And if it goes through the uprights, it's a field goal. It's three points. And because it's a free kick, the defense has to be 10 yards away. So they can't block it. They can't really rush it. They can't do anything. And so you can, you see this in every NFL game you ever go to. The kickers are kicking 50, 60, 70 yard field goals in pregame. You know why they're doing that? To practice for just this scenario. Late in the half, team punts from its own end zone. Kick lands out about the 50-yard line. It's going to go out there, fair catch it. Boom, there's one second left on the clock. Line up, do a free kick for, you know, a 60, 65, 68-yard field goal. If it, you got nothing to lose. There's no time on the clock. If it goes through, yay. If it doesn't, well, at least kick it out of the end zone because it can be returned, which, of course, is the drawback to the whole thing. But nobody knows this. And it has come back on a couple of occasions on those 25 times. to uh, to score points and win games. You have to know the rules of the game in order to play and be competitive. And when you don't know the rules of the game, it's no good to get upset and go, well, that's not fair. Why is it not fair? Because you didn't read the rules? That's your problem, not mine. We have not read the rules of the game. How many of you knew that the APA says, the, the Administrative Protection Act says in it, If you're aggrieved by a federal agency, you get the right, you are entitled, to judicial review. How many of you knew that? So why are we surprised, then, when people who are aggrieved by a federal agency's actions seek judicial review? Shouldn't we be supporting that? That's what the law Congress, our Congress, the people we elect, put into place. But instead, we... We uh, we say things like, well, it's the judges, they're, they're all liberals, and they're all trying to change things. The only people who can change things in this country, the only power that can change things in this country, won't. And that's we the people. And until we the people start standing up and saying to ourselves, okay, let us learn the rules as well as they know it. Oh, we don't want to do it. We're, we're busy. We got lives, Dave. That's why we hire, that's why we elect Congress people, so we don't have to know all this stuff. Do you really believe that's what the framers thought? Do you really believe the framers thought they won't pay any attention? If you actually believe that, you have not read the Federalist Papers, have you? You haven't read the debates in the Constitution. You don't understand why there is all this to begin with. And because of that, well... It's pretty clear that you don't really know what's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, why would you expect them to tell you? Why would you expect them to go, well, yeah, they're doing exactly what we've told them to do or allowed them to do. And in many ways, they're protecting us from ourselves. In many ways, they're doing exactly what we would do. But because we don't like how it's reported, we scream and yell. They're they're approving adultery. They're overturning President Trump. President President Trump doesn't know the rules, folks. He doesn't. He may be a master-level troll. He may be a master-level businessman. But I doubt seriously that he even knows that there's an APA, let alone what's in it. And that should be a problem. That should disturb us. That should cause us... To step back and go, what are we going to do differently? Because if we don't learn the rules of the game, this is not going to go the way we want it to go. And that's the problem with what we're doing. That's why it's important for us to get past the fake articles of faith and start learning the reality of what's going on for ourselves the people control this. We're the only power that can change it. And if we won't change it, well, they're not going to. Why would they? They like it that way. If we really have a problem with the APA, we need to change it. If we really have a problem with morality of adultery, then we should outlaw it. But we're not going to, and we don't really want to. Constitution Thursday is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for the Podcast 99 Network. Copyright 2018, all rights reserved. For more information or to hear past shows, log on to ConstitutionThursday.com or Facebook.com slash Constitution Thursday.
0: just waiting to be written you are the ultimate conduit of life's rhythm you deserve the very best vision and the very best version of yourself and we're here to bring it out of you i truly am fired up today to be driving your bandwagon to be your biggest fan to be avidly you your secret weapon in the war against your sense of self you don't have to tell me when we hang out well, I love the idea of being your partner in crime, a tag team of two, and unleashing your legendary, to optimize your outlook, to back the very best parts of you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, to do whatever it takes to bring your own bold, all natural being, with Brian Brody, here on IPMNation.com. Hey there, Robbo here from the Ale of Angela show and you're listening to the Podcast 99 Radio Network.